Captain's Jug of Thoughts podcast. Is that better? Yeah, that's good. All right. All right. And then there you go. We got a pop-up radio studio. Yeah. Uh, this is the Captain's Jug of Thoughts. We have a very special night ahead of ourselves here. Yeah, we uh, do. Who do we got in the house, Captain? We got the uh, Rocket Man himself, Bill <laughs> Suter. <laughs> Rocket Man. You don't like Rocket Man? <laughs> Backpack? <laughs> well, it's up to you. What do you want to be called? No, whatever you want to do. Okay. <laughs> Just... Well, we'd like a little explanation from you exactly what that is, because uh, for, he, our, for well, our viewers. He kept saying we're having the Rocket Man on. Yeah, and so a like, couple of people said, oh, you got Elton John on the show? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm built like he is. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, so why do people call you the Rocket Man? Because uh, I was the Rocket Man. <laughs> right. <laughs> what a silly question. St- started in uh, 1964. Uh-huh. Bell Aerospace. Right. Flying the Bell Rocket Belt. Yep. Under an Army contract. Yeah. And then... Uh, so for the 60... layman, that's essentially like a jetpack. Yeah. 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 But let's get the science out of the way right away. Okay. So that's what we're talking. If, it, usually when I do a uh, my dog and pony show, I have a balloon, and I blow the balloon up, and then I ask everybody, what is this? Okay. And I say it's a balloon. I said, no, it's a rocket. And I let it go. Ah, right. So everybody thinks the rocket works by, or and a jet, by pressing the exhaust against the atmosphere. Uh-huh. Why do they work in outer space then? Huh. In the vacuum. What it is, is like the balloon, the rocket has an explosion going on inside it. Same thing with the jet engine. Okay. There's kerosene being burned rapid expanding gases so the balloon has the uh, pressurized gas that you blew in there yep and there's an equal amount of pressure pushing on every surface in the balloon okay as soon as you open that up there's an imbalance of pressure yep. so where the exhaust is is where the low pressure is and the high pressure is exactly opposite it on the other end of it okay so that's what propels it. And as long as you keep putting things in there, it'll keep going. And that's why it works underwater in the vacuum of space or whatever. But a jet engine, even though it works on the same principle of imbalance, it's burning kerosene, usually kerosene, and it's the hot gases from the combustion. In a rocket, there, there really isn't any combustion. It's usually a chemical reaction. Okay. And uh, so they will we'll go to the rocket belt yeah. that, that I flew. Sure. And it was powered by hydrogen peroxide, but not the 2% that you find in your uh, medicine cabinet right, right, or, right, the, right. or the 6 or 8% that women make the, their hair look like Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wash my mouth out. I said that. Um so anyway, hydrogen peroxide is H2O2. It's water with an extra molecule of oxygen. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it reacts violently with anything organic. Okay. So the more concentrated the peroxide is, the more violent the reaction. 
and it, it's called the Specific Impulse or the ISP. It's the bang for the buck. Right. So at 90% strength, the peroxide, that's what we used in the rocket. Right. Uh, it has a, a, a uh, reaction temperature of 1,388 degrees Fahrenheit and an expansion ratio of 5,000 to 1 in two-tenths of a millisecond. So where's all this going? When you uh, take that H2O2 and run it through a catalyst, now anything organic, you know, precious metals uh, react violently with it. Okay. So that what, what the rocket belt had, the actual rocket motor was about the size of a good-sized orange. Okay. Right behind your head. And in there were, was a uh, series of about 100 layers of silver screen with a small percentage of, of uh, platinum. And the mesh is offset uh, at certain angles to each other. So as the liquid peroxide is forced in there, it gets the most contact with the silver. Okay. And then the, the, that, this is where the reaction takes place. Now, in, in the uh, rocket belt... The peroxide is going in there at a quart and a half per second. It's reacting 1388. So, so now that uh, w with this reaction, the extra molecule of oxygen is set free. So you have H2O and O2, water and oxygen. But what happens with water at 1388 degrees? You got live steam. Yeah. So the exhaust of the rocket belt is steam and oxygen. Okay. But the quart and a half per second has become 5,000 times that in volume. And it's got to go somewhere. So that goes out the exhaust nozzles. And like the balloon, sure. you're going to go in the opposite direction. Sure. So yeah. that's, you know, that's what's going on there. Wow. It's about 1,000 horsepower. Crazy. So it, there's 1,000 horsepower. And I heard the word combustion and violent chemical reaction. Yeah. No combustion. No combustion. No nope. violent chemical reactions. Right. Okay, things just like that. it's the jet has the combustion and the rocket has the chemical reaction. It's a lot of crazy stuff's going on, and you guys were like, "Hey, let's put this on a belt." <laughs> Who was the first one to test the belt? Who drew the short straw? The <laughs> put on the violent <laughs> chemical reaction belt. You know, the the amazing thing is, the inventor Wendell Moore lived right over here on Lake Road. Oh, okay. You know where the uh, Oak Lodge campground was? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, Weeks of Circle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, right yeah, across yeah. from the campground, there's two stone pillars and iron gates. Uh huh. That was Wendell Moore's house. Oh, okay. He's the inventor. He was the inventor. He was he was an aeronautical engineer for Bell. Okay. And uh, he was working on the X1 project, the yeah. first supersonic plane for Bell. Uh huh. And uh. When uh, Chuck Yeager got into trouble after he broke the sound barrier and they were going for Mach 2. Uh -huh. uh, How did he get in uh, trouble? Uh, he, he, not, not that kind of trouble. What do you mean? He, he, he was having technical problems. Oh, yeah. If you watch the movie The Right Stuff, it, it, the plane starts to tumble out of control. Yeah. And he had no way of regaining control. And finally, at like 8,000 feet, he finally regained control. He was lucky he wasn't killed. Sure. Wow. So what they came up with is the air at 50,000 feet where he was was so thin, the aerodynamic surfaces of the ailerons and the rudder and the elevator and all, 
weren't having any effect on controlling the plane. Okay, because he's in like a completely different atmosphere now. Right, very, very thin. And uh, so they came up with putting small peroxide rockets. There was one on the nose pointing up and down and one on each wingtip. Okay. And at a certain altitude, the control stick would would automatically kick in the peroxide system. Ah, all right. So when he asked for a little uh, this or that, uh, you give a burst of steam. Oh, wow, that's cool. And that's how they controlled it. Wow. So Wendell, they used to take the X-1 up under the belly of a B-50 bomber. Uh And they're out in the uh, California desert with these tests, and they're sitting under the wing of the bomber in the shade, and Wendell was working on the peroxide system for the X-1. X2, and um, he said, you know, I could take a couple of small peroxide rockets and attach them to a man's back, and he could fly. So he ran a Notice how he said a man's back, not mine. (laughs) (laughs) We could try this with that. Hey, you, come here. (laughs) So they they wanted to know if this was really going to work. So rather than mess around with a rocket, they had uh, a system there at, at Bell with uh, high-pressure nitrogen, you know, limitless supply of high-pressure nitrogen. Okay. Don't tell the carnies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, so they rigged up this harness with a couple of nozzles and a, and a throttle where he could open the throttle and the nitrogen would, you know, actually let you fly yeah. on this tether. You weren't going anywhere, but it proved the principle, yeah, you, you know, fly you it. can and do you this. you could control it. <clears throat> so this is 1957. Wow. And the Army uh, was looking for something for uh, increased mobility for the foot soldier. Oh, my God. We almost had jetpack soldiers. Dude, that is <laughs> badass. Yeah. It should. Uh, you know, too bad this isn't uh, video because I, I got a wealth of photographs well, we and if, yeah. video and all if the old stuff. stuff's out there. We'll find some video. It was, it's it all was, out there. It was, we'll yeah. link it. It yeah. was liberated yeah. from the original archives. And... Um, so anyhow, they uh, came up with the hydrogen peroxide system, and Wendell, it was his baby, so he was going to fly it. Now, Wendell right, wasn't the most athletic guy in the world. Okay. <laughs> he was better. You know, get it. We used to joke he wore a bow tie all the time because he had his tie caught in the slide rule all the time. <laughs> <laughs> slide rules. I, you have to explain that to your audience. Uh, I know. Go ahead. I tell know. them. <laughs> It's uh, like an old-timey fucking thing that you slide the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I know what it looks like. I've yeah. seen it in movies and the moving pictures. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Google it. So anyway. Um, <laughs> That's how they found out about it back then. They had to Google it, right? Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah. So this guy. So Wendell. Um, Wendell's going to try out his invention. Uh, I, I wish you could see the films. <laughs> but um, he's in the hangar on a tether, a safety tether. Sure. With a nylon rope okay. to catch him, you know, if he gets out of control. And then he was out of control all the time. <laughs> and on one of these uh, disasters, he got tangled in the rope about 10 feet off the floor. And the hot rocket tube, now here we got a, a rocket tube that's 1,300 degrees, yeah. melts the nylon rope, and he drops to the floor and breaks his knee. Wow, jeez. Oh, and so they said, oh, my God, there goes our pilot. So they... Looked around the plant for uh, hopefully a, a propulsion engineer that could, you know, give him some feedback too. Sure. With a low IQ. 
and uh, get him to strap this thing on. No, 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 no. It was Harold Graham. <laughs> it wasn't me. It wasn't me. And for all the uh, Western New Yorkers, Harold Graham was a graduate of Nichols. Okay. Played hockey for Nichols. So he, he, right. he was pretty, you know, physically adept. Sure. And um, so Harold uh, mastered the machine. Yeah. And flew it free. And decided this was a good way to get killed. <laughs> yeah. And he said, I want out. Oh, okay. So in the meantime, now they've come up with a contract with the U.S. Army. Yep. That said they have to take uh, a young man, average draft age, explain to him what the draft is, <laughs> conscription into the military. Yeah. It's where, uh, uh, you know, like when there's a party... And you really don't want to go, but all your friends kind of make you go. It's sort of like <laughs> there <that>. you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, you had to be, you know, 18 years, right? 19 years old. Okay. With no aviation experience, so they the idea being they'd take any young soldier, you know, yeah, and teach him to fly these things. Sure. And uh, so uh, there was a, a young man, Peter Kadzierski was his name. Okay. He uh, he was friends with Ernie Krutinger, who's the man that physically built the machines. Oh, okay. And uh, he was going to Burgard High School, taking aviation courses. Okay. And so they said, hey, you're a perfect prospect for this thing. Yeah. So Peter really did a really great job, you know, in the, in the early days of it. And then they said, well, this guy's just a kid. we got to get somebody a little older. So Wendell had a friend, Bob Corder who was like 38, 39 years old. He was a Air Force, ex-Air Force pilot. Okay. So Bob was next, and then one of the technicians, Gordon Yeager, no relation to Chuck Yeager, uh-huh. uh, he was the next one. And now in the meantime, uh, they started doing, the first public flights were at the Pentagon on the lawn. Wow. And um, flying over helicopters and different, you know, obstacles. So wow. they were really testing this out to try to give this to the soldiers. They wanted to add this to oh, yeah. combat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, the, the thing was, uh, the whole idea was the peroxide rocket, that six gallons of fuel that peroxide I talked about. Peroxide rocket's also a pretty cool band name. Just put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> peroxide rocket, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's um, what they wanted to use. It, it, it was, at the time... It was the safest, if you can imagine, that's the safest fuel okay. to use on a manned machine. Right. And with the with the least problems, uh, hydrazine, which is UDMH and a whole bunch of the others, are horribly carcinogenic and, uh, you know, they, they react. <laughs> you look at it wrong and it reacts and all. Okay. It's just, just too dangerous to use. So the so peroxide was a little more reliable. Right. And uh, there was very little money in the budget. So when they built this first prototype, they looked around for anything they could scrounge and not charge it to a work order number. And there were these stainless steel oxygen tanks from B-29 bombers all over the place. This is right after the World War II. Okay. So two of those tanks would hold six gallons. Six gallons would give you... 21 seconds of fuel. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> so the, the rocket belt could fly for 21 and a half seconds. Okay. That was it. And 21 seconds to find somewhere soft to land. 
now. <laughs> it sounds like it's you know a wink of the eye, but it's a watch your sweep hand on your non-digital. I'm sure watch. if you were floating pretty high, 21 seconds is long. You, can, you long. can get a lot of trouble in 21 seconds. <laughs> I bet. I bet you can. And really, and really wish you hadn't. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I had one flight in particular, uh, the World's Fair in Knoxville. Um, there was a photographer from Life Magazine. And the U.S. pavilion was 140 feet high. And he said, if I get on the roof there, could you fly up so I can get a picture of you and the whole World's Fair in the background? And I said, sure. You know, that'll be that flight for the, the noontime. Yeah. He said, okay, well, I'll get the clearance and all. And <laughs> so, um, and, you know, this is 1982 now. I had a, a lot of experience with this time and should have known better. <laughs> okay. But he's up there and he says, I'll give you a signal. When and So I took off and I'm going straight up. Yep. Now, we, we'll cut the story there for a minute while I explain to you the rocket belt's throttle. The human wrist has about 90 degrees of rotation to it. Okay. The throttle in the beginning on the very early one with Wendell was a, uh, what's called a dead man's throttle. You squeeze it. Yeah. And it's spring-loaded. You let go, it shuts off. So it's, oh, okay. like you, it's like this kind of backpack thing, but you have like two joysticks on the side. Right. Almost like the weed wet or the leaf blower, like industrial. <laughs> well, so you know what I mean? Like In California, yeah. those leaf yeah. blowers you were into, it's yeah, called yeah. a Mexican jetpack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jose. Sorry, Jose. <laughs> so uh, anyway, they, they decided that the squeeze throttle is not a good idea because what's the first right. thing you do where you get in trouble? <clears throat> you tense yeah, up, yeah, squeeze. Yeah. Right. And it, I, there's films of him. And he's in this big muddy area going psh, 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 on his ass. <laughs> and every time he hits, he squeezes it and hits it. Yeah. So, so they went to the twist throttle, but then they found that your wrist is so limited in rotation that <clears throat> the, the rocket belt fueled full of fuel, and the machine, the machine self-empty weighs about 62 pounds. Okay. And then you're adding another 60-some pounds of fuel to it. Sure. Peroxide's heavier than water. And so they said, well, you're going to have to have at least 250, 260 pounds of thrust before you even start to get off the ground. Yeah. Lifting the man and the machine. Sure. So let's make. I would never be. I would. This is. You guys really stuck with this. I would hit one problem and be like, I guess we're just not making jetpacks then. Because I'm too lazy. (laughs) You guys really. Every problem you push through it. And like just reinvented them, not reinvented, but no, added I, to it and made it better. I, I was just the dummy that did it. Yeah. <laughs> Here, yeah. boy, go do that. Yeah. Fly to that roof. You're the test dummy. I, I so, fly up to that roof. <laughs> well, we so, wouldn't uh, have known if it could make it or not without guys like you. Right. So anyway, um, they came up with what's called a 60% throttle. When you open that throttle you have 60% of the full thrust instantly. So what you're actually throttling is that top 40%. Right. If you didn't do that and you went from 0 to 100 in that 90 degrees, yeah. at the end of a flight, you're losing 2.5 pounds per second of fuel. At the end of the flight, it would that little bit of area in that throttle you have to play with would be so sensitive you couldn't fly it. You couldn't control it. Okay. It, it would just be too too sensitive. So by cutting it so that the minimum thrust is 240 pounds of thrust, 
or 260. Um, it gives you a wide range of control at the at the end where you need it. Sure. And uh, so now, with that in mind, 60% um, thrust is about 240, 250 pounds of thrust. Okay. Keep that in mind. And there's no off on the thing to, to let you know you're near off. It's just you got to get used to, well, it's somewhere over here. You know, it's going right, to be right. kind of counting in your head yeah. while you're up I, there. I've, like. Oh, we'll get to that too, yeah. the buzzer. Yeah. Oh, so it's like muscle memory. <laughs> so anyway. There's like a warning thing. <laughs> I, hey, hey, hey. I take off and I'm going straight up beside this building. Yeah. And all of a sudden I, I'm <laughs> going by the roof and he's like this with his camera and I'm just. <laughs> and I look at the, there's a timer on the control arm. Yeah. And I got like seven seconds left. Oh, jeez. And uh, I call this my oh shit flight. <laughs> and I, I I verbally looked at the timer and I said, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> because I kept backing the throttle off, but it was still putting out more than 250 pounds of thrust. Oh, okay. Even as I'm backing it off, it wasn't slowing down. So I cocked it over to a real hard, like, like be a lateral turn and actually driving it downward. Wow. And then pulled it out at, you know, at the last minute. I, and just as I touched on the grass, it went wow. It was out of fuel. And it was, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How'd the picture come out? Yeah. I've shut it off deliberately and shut it off by accident. Uh -huh. And because it's a chemical reaction, there's no ignition. You can start and stop it all you want. Oh, all right. And uh, but to slow it down, you know, if you're in a vertical climb, y you want that the ability to shut it off. Yeah. Because you you don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, you're way the yeah. fuck up there, if, and, if you, yeah. uh, and there's nothing left. <laughs> if you um, were were not to have that, you know, you, you could really be in a lot of trouble yeah the, 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 <laughs> i could imagine it, this whole thing but sounds the, like trouble the, the more you get um comfortable with it yeah then it, the more it becomes like a second part you, you don't even think about what you're doing you know uh yeah it's a muscle memory thing yeah. at, at yeah. that point uh, i think anybody gets that like he's a bartender i'm a musician we both probably had like when you're in the zone and you're just flushing like you're not you're not even thinking about it anymore no you're, not. you're just moving and you feel so comfortable in this suit right that you can operate both of what it we as do if, what we both know. do is a little bit safer i think <laughs> if, well, we, I if know, we do man. screw up it's not, not um, catastrophic <laughs> you don't <laughs> it's like people, they just got the wrong drink <laughs> you don't give people their, their booze and you play a shitty show they'll start throwing stuff at you they will start throwing stuff they might throw you <laughs> off a roof. <laughs> I saw the Blues Brothers. That can happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the, the, uh, the chicken wire. So how the guys? Did the guy get his picture from the roof? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I never saw him after that. Oh wow, that's oh. the truth. That's <laughs> funny. And it was, so what? What year was? So, did we got a time? Someone Google Time Magazine. That was eighty two. Eighty two. Nineteen eighty two. Oh yeah. shit! Guy almost dies in rocket pack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nobody knew. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's pretty um, great. So you had a now. A, I gotta. I gotta. You you had mentioned you know the time. Right. How do you keep track of the time? Yeah. They tried all kinds of things. They had a 
little red light that would flash in front of you that was hanging off the helmet and okay. that, all, all right. kinds of things. But when you're learning that, that that thing was next to impossible to learn how to fly. Yeah. It really, the mental load, you know, in this time monkey you got on your back. Yeah. Sure. Is, is, uh, I couldn't even you're, imagine. You're, 150% of your concentration is on just controlling it, let alone sure. <laughs> worrying about right. the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all, and the, how but much the you're time. turning your wrist a couple <laughs> extra that, degrees. Once you're flying free off the tether, it's really important to keep track of the time. Oh, my yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> so what they, what they came up with was a, a buzzer, like a vibrator, in the back of the helmet okay. that pressed on the base of your skull. And when you opened the throttle... There was a, a spring-loaded pin that rode on a ramp. Okay. And as soon as you opened the throttle, it went down the ramp and started a just a look just like a timer on a stove. Oh yeah, okay. And you, you like an egg if, timer. Yep. The as helmet. the as the technicians were strapping you in and pressurizing, you know, they would set that timer at 20 seconds. Yep. It gave you a second and a half. <laughs> <laughs> that was extra. Ni- that was nice of them. <laughs> so as soon as you open the throttle. The timer starts running. Yeah. At, um, I'm getting mad anxious right now. <laughs> at, at, at the halfway point, at 10 seconds, you start getting a buzz. You don't hear it. You feel it. Right. Yeah. You know? Because this thing's got to be loud, right? No, uh, it, it's... No, it's a, you know. No, no, not the buzzer, like the machine itself, like the oh, jetpack itself. 130 decibels. Yeah, it's got to wow. be loud, so yeah. you can't, you need to be able to feel it's, the It's alarm. a very sharp shriek. Yeah. The opening in the rocket thing, you can barely get your little finger in. There's a, oh, really? a thousand cubic feet of steam per second coming out of that, not out of those two nozzles. So yeah. it's making like it's like a whistling. Um, I don't know. Have you ever heard a high pressure air hose? Right, right, right. Okay, you know? yeah, yeah, I have. Mm-hmm. So um, you get it every second for five seconds. That means now you've got six seconds left. Right. It goes into a solid buzz. So now you're counting that while counting everything else. Well, what it is is when you get that first buzz, you got to start looking for your landing. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, okay, I'm halfway. Yeah. Let's yeah. start looking yeah. for a landing. Second buzz is like, where's the landing? Yeah. <laughs> so and and usually what you do is when you're gonna do a flight, you walk it off and pace it off. Look for wires. You don't see wires. You do. I had close calls with wires. Really? Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Uh, right here at the Coast Guard Station, we were uh, in 66. We were making a tactical film for the Army. Okay. And Old Fort Niagara let us use the fort for a lot of the filming. Right. And um, they used to have a radio tower and a, a lookout tower right on the corner. Okay. Behind the castle. Yeah. And uh, so what I was to do, it was, it was called Ship the Shore. And I was on the deck of the, you know, the double-ended Coast Guard boat? Yeah. We didn't have walkie-talkies or anything. <laughs> right. John Patterson was the film guy from Florida. He said, when I wave my hat, you take off. So I was on the boat, and the current was carrying us out into the lake, and I was supposed to just fly as fast as I could fly into the Coast Guard station, around front, land, walk up the stairs, and go in the building. That's what the cut was going to be. Right. Okay. And uh, so we're drifting out further and further into the lake. And I'm looking and I'm saying, wow, come on, John. You know, I can see him by the seawall. And I wait. Well, finally, all of a sudden, he waves his hat. And as soon as I got off the boat, 
and got a little altitude, I could see I was a whole lot farther than I wanted to be. Yeah. And for an instant there, I thought, do I land back on the boat or go for shore? Yeah. yeah. So I just laid the whip and to it. And you got 20 <laughs> seconds to decide, yeah. right? And um, I don't... I don't remember ever going faster than I did that day. Oh, wow. I could feel my pant legs and everything. Yeah. My <laughs> cheeks. Oh, wow. But, um, and they're like, ah, we were out of film. Can you do no another one? No time. I was over the shore and I went around the house and landed and went in. And when I came out of the building, Ed Geyser, the technician, he's coming. He's calling me every name in the book. What is wrong with you? Are you nuts? <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah. And I do recall like a shadow or something as I went by the building. I missed a guy wire from the radio tower oh, Jesus. by inches. Oh, wow. Wow. You know, it been like a cheese slicer. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Ooh, Christ. So, and, I, you know, I've had some close calls with wires. <coughs> you, yeah. you just don't see them. Yeah. When you've got glasses like this, you don't see much of anything. <laughs> <laughs> and you had those My back eyes then? since second grade. <laughs> since second grade? Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> well, then, there you go. Yeah. That's, that's, that's you. as far as I went in school. That's where they sent you. They're like, he's not going to be able to that's see how little, high this thing is. The little IQ came in good on that's the rocket little, Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Here, kid, go do this. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> but you got pretty comfortable with it. Yes. And you learned, that's got to be such a great feeling. Like, everybody's you I, know, I, wants I, to fly. I it's... had over a thousand flights. I better get comfortable. Oh, yeah. wow. A thousand flights. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Even still on the thousandth one where you're like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> no, you were good by yeah. then. That's cool. And, um, you know, we had a whole bunch of machines. Um, we'll get to the jet engine in, in a second. But okay. uh, we had the rocket belt. Yeah. But then Wendell's mind was always coming up with something. And the Army said, well, you got to strap in and all the malarkey with straps and you got to have a stand to put it on and this and that. So he said, okay. Well, but so you're like, hey, we made a man fly. They're like, yeah, but it's heavy and there's a whole thing so with the straps. Come on. He, it's he comes amazing. up with a, yeah. they called it the pogo stick. Okay. And it looked like a coat rack in the corner <laughs> with, with scuba gear on it. Yeah. And you just step on, no straps or anything. Step on and away you go. And that... That was one. It was a flying pogo stick. Yep. And oh, then we okay. took a fiberglass office chair, mounted the same system on it, and it was the flying chair. So I think picture, you guys were just like watching the Jetsons. And you're like, let's try that. This is <laughs> where the Jetsons got their ideas. <laughs> oh, from the air. You guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sherwood Schwartz, we're coming after you. <laughs> so the the chair, I, I could picture all this. Um, picture a guy flying in a chair yeah. with a glass bubble over him. Oh, wow. Now, if it's jet-powered, it can go for a couple hours. The seat is the fuel tank. The engine is underneath your seat. And away you go. You, you, you know, it's just And it was in, like, thing. a glass dome, like George Jackson's. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was the two-man pogo, where they took two rocket-built systems, and you could take a passenger. And that the idea of well, that was to rescue downed pilots. Sure. Um, and then we, uh, I worked for nine months or more on the um, Apollo lunar pogo. We had a fly-off between the lunar car and our pogo. And we had to go to Houston to learn to work in the, the two different spacesuits. There was the hard suit and the soft suit. Uh, International Latex made the soft suit, which is w what won the fly-off for the suit. Okay. And Hamilton Standard made the other, but it looked like a knight in armor. 
Oh really? Wow. You know it was. Uh, and were you were testing this for flying in them? Yeah, and so I feel like we, that, of course the other one would have won. So this well, is where the, man, the, the this nice is thing where the Iron Man idea came from them too. Yeah. The nice <laughs> thing about this was we were at Langley Langley Research Center. Uh-huh. And they had this one six gravity, it was a three hundred and sixty five foot tall sawhorse. That's what I called it. Wow. Right. The uh, lunar landing vehicle, the astronauts would train in one sixth gravity. They'd pull it up on this great big thing that was hundreds of feet long. And then they had rocks and boulders and everything, and they'd come in. And so they set us up with a vacuum bag taking five, six of our weight. So instead of 20 seconds of flight time, we had 90 seconds. Okay. Wow. But we had to prove that whichever suit was selected, you'd be able to control the pogo. Yeah. And uh, so that yeah the the lunar car won. The astronauts all wanted the, the pogo. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but the lunar car was made in Texas, and Lyndon Johnson saw that the lunar car won. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a little more of like LBJ strikes me as a guy who's like a bunch of pogo sticks, like a kid, yeah. like little kids, like a bunch of eight year olds. Like no, we need a car. We need so, an American made car up there. It's getting near my bedtime. Let's hurry up here. All right. Well, okay. So, so you were we flying go, these. You're, gotta, you're flying these events. Like you said, you did the World's Fair. James Bond. James, Thunderball. You flew it in James Bond. The yes. Yeah. Now let me. Let me I yeah. always yeah. always want to do this. I would have never had the chance to fly in James Bond if Gordon Yeager hadn't said he would share the flights with me. When we would go overseas or go to do an important job. Yeah. It was two pilots and a technician. Okay. The lead pilot would do the press flight and all the sure. pretty boy shit. And <laughs> I would you? pump I would pump peroxide. <laughs> oh. <laughs> if he got sick or hurt, I would do the flying. Okay. So the understudy so, uh, sort of. Yep. Thunderball was only the second Bond movie. Uh-huh. I didn't I, I didn't know what Thunderball Who was. was. In that one? Was I had that no idea. Connery or was that I just know we yeah. were we were going to France to do this James Bond thing. Yeah. So we get there, and it's out, out in the country at the Chateau. And Gordy takes out a five-franc coin, which is bigger than a silver dollar. Uh-huh. And he f- flings it up in the air, and he says, call it. And he won. He says, okay, I'll go first. He said, we'll alternate every other thing. This James Bond thing is going to be big. Yeah. That's what he said to me. Well, he wasn't wrong. And... and <laughs> uh, had he not been, you know, as gracious as he was, sure, I'd have just been pumping peroxide. Yeah, you know, that's great. That's so amazing. I'm assuming there's a scene in the movie where James Bond's flying around one of these things, but that was actually you. Part of it. Or, yeah. The, we made six flights, and okay. they used little clips. Gordy did three, and I did three. But I can tell by the legs and the, the who's, you know, yeah, yeah. and the, you know, it's the the two of us. Yeah. Had, had our moment. <laughs> right. So when you're watching it, you're like, that's me. Yeah. 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 That's cool. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, <laughs> now we'll get to the jet. I got to get jet? to the jet. Okay. The Army, okay, you prove the concept. A man can fly. You can do f- two flights or two people or a, a chair or whatever, whatever. Yeah. Now we need something practical. At the time, in the 60s, there were no small, lightweight jet engines powerful enough to do this. Sure. The other thing about a jet engine, it's spinning mass. There's compressors in there, fans. Okay, so a helicopter has a tail rotor. Why? 
that uh, <laughs> the big rotor, yeah, okay, is spinning in one direction. Sure. When that helicopter lifts off the ground, the inertial forces, gyroscopics, will start the whole helicopter spinning. Okay. So the tail rotor keeps fights, it in place. Keeps it. Gotcha. You know. Yeah. Okay. Flying straight. So I knew if, that. I just knew he didn't. So yeah. Right. So if you take right. a jet engine, which is all this spinning mass, and and it's spinning at tens of thousands of RPM. Yep. Okay. So, you if you have only one set of compressors spinning in one direction, and you lift off the ground, you're going to start spinning right with it. Sure. Yeah. And pretty soon you lose your lunch and everything. Oh yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and uh, probably not long. So <laughs> just you in a tuxedo like James Brown, James not James Brown, James Bond, just throwing up and spinning in a circle. I don't <laughs> even own a tuxedo. <laughs> just what James Bond wore. Oh. <laughs> so uh, anyhow, um, they went to Williams International. It was called Williams Research at the time. Uh, Sam Williams, the founder was the world's leading expert on small jet engines. And they went to him with the problem. How do we do this? He says, okay. So he comes up with what's called a quill shaft engine. The shaft that the compressors, the uh, fans rotate about, uh -huh. uh, is hollow. Okay. And there's one set of compressor blades spinning in one direction on the outer part, and the others in, in the center of it uh, is the inner one spinning in the opposite direction. Uh -huh. The outer one is half the mass, half the weight of the inner one. Okay. And it spins at half the RPM so that they counteract each other's gyroscopics. And it seems to be, with, when you're explaining all these, there seems to be a theme of always there needs to be one thing, and these it's two forces acting against each other that makes this stuff happen, like right. you said with the balloon. you know. So... Uh, what happens is the fuel gets atomized into there and ignited. Now, the inner spool is spinning at 60,000 RPM. That's 1,000 revolutions a second, if you can imagine such a thing. That sounds like a Prince album. <laughs> <laughs> and the outer spool is spinning at 30,000. Okay. And they counteract each other's. The, the thing about a jet is that all you have to carry is the fuel, not the oxidizer. Whereas with the rocket, you have to have fuel and oxidizer. Okay. And so the air is all your supply of oxen, oxidizer, oxygen. Sure. And so you're, all you have to carry is the kerosene. Yeah. And uh, if it's a turbojet, which is a single stage, it, it isn't the two spools, uh -huh. okay, it gets extremely hot, like 1,400, 1,500 degrees. Wow. And the exhaust is extremely hot. And the noise is unbearable. I mean, it, it's like 150, 160 decibels for a, a turbojet. You mentioned earlier that you were hard of hearing. You think this had huh? anything to do with it? <laughs> it had, a lot of loud rock it, concerts, it had, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it had a lot to do with it. <laughs> um, so where the hell was I? <laughs> You're talking about the jet and the Oh, the, 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 uh, the heat. Yeah. The heat, yes. Okay, so now what Sam came up with is the center... Uh, compressors uh, that, that that's getting the fuel and the oxygen. Yeah, that's where the ignition's taking place, and it's up around fifteen hundred degrees. Uh -huh. But the outer uh, fans are sucking cold air in over the inner inner chamber, uh -huh. and it's 
and that at the top here behind your head, it's mixing. The the cold air is mixing with the super hot right air. Behind your head. <laughs> and <laughs> is this crazy chemical reaction happening uh, inches behind your head? <laughs> and it, and it's exhausting out to two nozzles. Yeah. Now the noise you hear, you know, whether it's a car exhaust or a gun or a jet or anything, what you're hearing is the rapid expanding gases. So like on a car, you take those hot expanding gases and you run them into the catalytic converter and the muffler and the resonator. Yep. And like a Lexus, you won't even hear it. Yeah. Okay, because you've cooled the gases enough before they leave. And so what happens with that is instead of a 160-decibel jet, now you have one that sounds like a leaf blower. Oh, wow. All right. And it, you know, we're a I big got some neighbors there. with leaf blowers that sound like 160-decibel <laughs> jets. Jose? Jose is pretty cool. Um, so the and but now the other thing is, yes, if it was a single stage, you could be ramming that air through there. Yeah. But by mixing it with the colder air, it's the the super hot air is expanding the cold air, so that the net effect is a greater amount of thrust than if you were to go with just the hot hot gases. Right, and the the cold air mixing in there hasn't, uh, you know, taken uh, taken the temperature down and the expansion ratio down to to affect it. It's it's a whole lot more efficient. Okay, and a lot quieter. So a jet belt now Bell in 1969 had the jet belt flying uh-huh. uh, with the Williams engine. It flew like five or six times. Right, and um, the jet belt would fly for 20 minutes. Oh, wow. Whereas the rocket belt, and this was the very first one. That 20 engine, minutes? Now, yeah. uh, the jet belt had to go to Fort Eustis, which was where the transportation command is, for its acceptance flight okay. to complete the contract. Right. Now, this is during Lyndon Johnson's Great Society. Right. <laughs> the jet belt goes to Fort Eustis, does its flight for the generals. Wow, we're impressed. Thank you very much, gentlemen. That will be all. That was the end of it. That was it. No new contracts, no nothing. Wow. Huh. So now Sam Williams has these engines. What the hell am I going to do with them? All our cruise missiles have a Williams jet belt engine in them. Wow. This day. Oh, well, no kidding. Yep. Yeah. Wow. So when you hear of a cruise missile, yeah, that's is, the, the, the jet engine. belt motor. Wow. No and wow. now what that used to put out like 450 pounds of thrust. Yeah. And it, and it weighed like 75 pounds. Yeah. Now it weighs forty some pounds and puts out over seven hundred pounds of thrust. Oh, there you go. There's yeah. just constant, constant innovation. Yep. Yeah. Constantly. Yep. It's never, you know, it's always how can you make this thing better, lighter, more efficient. You know. Yeah. Why do you think that never? I mean, we don't see footage unless we're watching the Avengers. We don't see footage of soldiers flying around on pogo sticks or anything like that. Why do you think the jetpacks really and think, not practical? Yeah, it just nah. didn't play out to have you know. Nah. Be and, badass and though. You see be these, badass. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be cool. You s- see these guys on these flyboards and you know, I got a good friend David Maiman's got his jetpack. Yeah. Jetpack Aviation, Google that. Yeah. David Mayman. Okay. And but he's using turbojets. He doesn't have a, a twin spool. And so he's got one turbojet on one side that spins in one rotation clockwise. Yeah. The one on the other side spinning anti-clockwise, canceling out each other's gyroscopics, but they're still turbojets. The noise is incredible. It's yeah. got a f- flame that far 
coming out of it and all right. that. Um, you know, huh. until somebody comes up with an, you know, another quill shaft engine. And Williams... I'll, I'll and, work. I'll do some sketches. Okay. I'll figure it out. Williams I'll and the government things. will not let go of the... Yeah. Of the engine. Well, at least the, yeah. know, the engine, they, they got some use out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly. Yeah. Um, so so let's, let's talk Super Bowl. Yeah, I was going to say. So you you had a, <laughs> another kind of you had another career. It sounds like yeah, it wasn't even flying called the Super these Bowl. around I for know. the for it was show business. What, what we call Super Bowl One. Yeah, but, I know. Uh, I got the. I, I I wasn't a football. You know, I I know they run up and down the field, but that's about <laughs> the. You were busy doing more important <laughs> stuff. And uh, right. was Green Bay and Kansas City. Yeah, and we got to meet. You know, we're going down the line, shaking hands with everybody. And here's this grumpy old man. It was Vince Lombardi. Vince now, I, Lombardi. I didn't know who he is. He you shook know? hands with Vince Lombardi? Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's what the trophy is. That's what the trophy is named his, after. His body English was like, come on, let's get this shit over with, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? He's like, we're it's playing same, fucking football. Same. What is this flying around shit? <laughs> He's like, we don't even pass the ball. <laughs> you guys don't, we don't even do helmets yet. Yeah. <laughs> Why is the guy flying wearing a helmet? <laughs> So yeah, so you, you meet Vince Lombardi, yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. and yeah. it didn't. It was years later before I, you Re- know, realized somebody. Who you, who somebody so you guys, told me. this was the very first Super Bowl. What year is yeah. this? Yeah, sixty-six. So you, for all you know, they're, like, know, they're playing some game. It I was, thought it was sixty-seven, but yeah, yeah, January sixty-seven. Yeah, yeah, yep. And they had you come out and do sort of a flyover. There were sort two of, like of us, the, the Porter and I. Yeah. If, if you see. Where the cameras are up in the top of the stadium. Yeah. The marching bands had two football. They formed up like two football players. Uh huh. And then on the sidelines, there was these two giant brown footballs. We were each inside them. I had NFL on my chest. He had AFL on his. Oh chest. yeah! Wow. Cool. I still got that. That's <laughs> wow. awesome. Yeah, S- somewhere at home in a drawer. Who are you leaving that to? That's gonna be worth some money, man. That's gotta be worth a lot of money. <laughs> what am I? What am I bid? <laughs> right, <laughs> bidding, bidding starts. Uh, anyhow, um, when the as the bands were playing, the f- feet, one foot on each of the formed up players, yeah, came down to where the footballs were. Yeah, it's like they kicked them. Oh, and then okay. we took off. Then you took off. Oh yeah. wow! Went out and flew, and we met on the fifty yard lane, and shook hands. Wow, that is awesome. That is yeah. very cool. Yeah. That's way better than the Black Eyed Peas. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. <laughs> it's better than any of these bands that they're putting out for the NFL shows now. I'd much rather see that. Uh, that's pretty great. Uh, so what is that? That I mean, I uh, wish that there were like GoPros back then. Like, What was your perspective looking around? I uh, mean, you're still counting the seconds, right? We When we did that Army film, Yeah. Yeah. we had... The one by the Coast Guard? Yeah, well, yeah. We, we did it all over the place, but... 16 millimeter movie camera. We had a thing we called the Gothic Arch. <laughs> uh-huh. There was a real lightweight aluminum tube, so okay. the camera was up over your head. So you so did have like a camera mounted on you. Oh yeah. Okay. And it, it got your hands and the top of your helmet in the picture. Put that in some so VR. So could, put that in the Oculus. Um, let's see. What what could you Google? Just I I get or just go Yahoo or something. Yeah. Yeah, but, but I'm uh, saying like the the Super Bowl one is interesting to me. It's because you're looking down on this huge event from like a perspective that nobody else. Everybody's watching this on TV or they're in the stands watching it. Like you're the only one who's getting that perspective of it. <laughs> yeah. So you're seeing this huge event, but it's got to be you know a little smaller because you're up in the sky. 
two things I got to tell you with what you see. When we were making the Army film, it was in June, and it was late in the afternoon, so the sun was low, right, way over in the west. Yeah. And they wanted one more flight, and it just wanted me to fly off the wall down by where the castle is. Yeah. And then over all those old buildings, and then land somewhere in the in the fort. Yeah. And the it, old buildings that aren't there anymore. Pardon? The old buildings in the fort that aren't. That oh, are, I, don't, I don't know. What buildings did you want to fly over? Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I forgot about that. So as I'm flying, all of a sudden I see my shadow as I'm going over the rooftops. Oh. And wow. I was distracted. I mean, it, you, you shouldn't be distracted. Well, right? I wouldn't <laughs> think so. But it was the first time I'd ever seen and it. It gives you a feeling of just what it is you're doing. Sure. You know? Like that was like special effects in like a Superman movie, but you're living it. Yeah, you know and, I mean? and then, like, uh, and it wasn't until this spring when people asked me, what's it like to fly? What's it feel like and all? It took till this spring for people to ask you that? That would have been my first question <laughs> in 1960 when, yeah, when you first came back <laughs> yeah, the I first know. time. <laughs> I, I've never been able to come up with a good uh, answer that you can go do and see it for yourself. Okay. I ride my bike every morning in the nice weather, yeah. six, eight miles. And there's a dip in the road where I where, uh, where I go. Okay. And so I'm I'm going along. I got a nice tailwind. And I want to air the boys out and just you know glide mm-hmm. down the thing. Yeah. And it's hot weather. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm standing up on the bike, and I got my hands off, and and I look, and it's the wind is coming by and all, and it's just exactly what it's like. Okay. Oh wow. You know, I was moving without any of yeah. my power. Yeah. And so that's what it's like. So if you want to know what it's like, get on a bicycle, go down Lewiston Hill. Go and just let yourself <laughs> You'll coast. get more than 21 seconds. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> just let yourself coast, and you'll get that feeling of yeah. floating. Yeah, stand, you got to stand up and then lean yeah. into the handlebars so that you don't see the bike. Okay. Put your hands out in front of you. Yeah. And that's it. You know, Jason handed me this. Uh, yeah, we had a note. When we were making the uh, Army film, we, we did it all over uh, Niagara County. Yep. Well, there was, it's not there anymore, but there was a, a dip in Youngstown Wilson Road where a creek passed under it. Okay. And, <laughs> <laughs> boing. Um, we're going to put the, little jetpacks on the microphones and just have them floating in front of us. That's what for, we need. From now on, yeah. The distance from the surface of the water, the creek flowing under the bridge, to the top, uh, to the underside of the bridge was about 11 feet. Okay. With the Gothic Arch camera, it was 7 foot 1 inch or something like that. Okay. And then you had this 15-pound battery pack. This extra weight, the camera, and then the battery pack. So the throttle yeah, I was response. Say that it's all adding weight to you, which now yes. has to mess with the fuel and stuff like that. And right? and the throttle response is real slow. Yeah. You 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 know you, you with the when you don't have all the stuff on, you hit that thousand horsepower. It's there. Yeah. Well, you had to take this into consideration. So, the idea was I was to fly along the creek. At low enough that I'm making big circles of mist and you oh, know okay that's a good shot it was a yeah. cool yeah. shot really yeah. that is cool go under the bridge come out the other side and then the creek turned and fly out of frame 
So as I'm approaching, you know, whenever you're going something low, you do this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you pull your head in like a turtle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And well, they say that about helicopters is in every movie, guys run up to helicopters and they're ducking and they're like, the blades are like 15 feet in the air. Like, yeah. you're not going to hit them. You know, but everybody in every movie ducks while running up to a helicopter. Sure. Yeah. Sort of like that. So all of a sudden, my toes hit the water just <laughs> before I got to the bridge. And it threw me head first into the water. Oh, Ooh. Jesus. Now, it's a rocket. And I, I, I was aware you know, that, I, that I'd gone into the water, but I never felt out of control. And it, this only lasted like three seconds, yeah. if that. Right. So you kind of skipped just, down the water like a stone? I went into the water like I, oh. like I dove in. Oh, wow. and like I, a torpedo. I can remember feeling and hearing stones. Boom, 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 boom. But then all of a sudden, this bright light, and I pulled up on the handles <laughs> with a full throttle, I and I, I came out the other side, and I continued the flight. They had six cameras on the shot. As soon as my feet hit and I went in, everybody started running in front of the cameras. Ah. And the only footage they got was the camera I had and one that was mounted on the bridge. But they got, you know, they got some of it, but... I don't know about you. As soon as I saw a bright light, I'd be like, well, that was dumb. That was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I know that. that was it. Was, <laughs> oh, there really is a light. They weren't lying. It, yeah. it, you, you don't even think about things. Yeah. You know, just, you just react. The adrenaline or you're just, your brain is trained to just kind of react in just the moment. Just to stay like alive. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, in hindsight, you think of all that later. Yeah. So when, uh, when was your last flight? When's the last time you strapped on a belt? Uh, da, 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 that would be Nino's. Um, probably two, 2016, 15, oh, 16. Okay, so that's pretty recently, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So you still do it, yeah. I didn't know if you well, it's had like one of too many of those creeks things and hung up the old backpack. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's like riding a bicycle, though. Yeah, yeah. You know, sure. once, you, once you learn. Right. And and these guys that would hire me to come, you know, fly the rocket belts. See, see, they they, they got this thing, and it costs about nowadays about eleven hundred, twelve hundred dollars for a load of fuel, twenty oh, okay. seconds worth of fuel. And so it's better for them to hire me to see if the thing even works. What? They don't know how to fly it yet. Because you know what you're doing, and you'll be able to do it yeah. properly. They might let all the fuel out right and away. You know, and and so it's easier to. Did you, know, you and your friends ever like, dude? You know, like you look at them, like we got jetpacks, like we could get some shit done here. We could fly and like drop in and like steal the Mona Lisa and take off like a Bond villain. <laughs> yeah. No Bond villain. <laughs> that is some Bond villain technology right there. Yeah. yeah too or much. you do Batman and you do the good guy vigilante stuff. You know what I what I did see um, here when when uh, Sean Connery died last week. Right. Um, I don't know where they were showing it, but it was um, a number of years prior to that Sean Connery was a guest on David Letterman's show sure and so his entrance you know you didn't know what was going on David Letterman sitting at his desk and here is Sean Connery and the curtain opens up and he's in a a jet pack you know yeah. CO2 extinguishers or yeah. something make it sure. and he lands and these two beautiful women come out and take it off him and yeah you know it was a Pretty pretty neat to see. Yeah, yeah. That's and cool. that was like one of your guys' design back. No, it was no, somebody, somebody else. <laughs> that was Letterman's personal <laughs> jetpack. Somebody had a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. But it came from that. It came from what you guys brought in. Right. Originally. Yeah. 
And that yeah. is interesting to see how like some of the technology, there's a lot of experimentation, but you ended up, they ended up using the, the, the motor on the cruise missiles, you know what yeah, I mean? How, yeah, like yeah. one thing, all right, well this didn't work out the way we wanted to, but we can still use this over here. Yeah. A lot of innovation happening, especially in those days. And yeah. you remember everybody's name first and last. I'm terrible with that. Yeah. I mean, Craig will tell you. Right. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> um yeah that's pretty incredible and that's really funny that like i'm also not really a sports guy so he's always telling me sports stuff and i don't know and the fact right. like you shook vince lombardi's hand and you're like whatever yeah some guy named Vinny. i don't know <laughs> like, it's very funny yeah but yeah that's that's amazing stuff well, i i think you know for me the highlight was working with all the astronauts yeah and they yeah, were just, you know, awesome. just neat guys, drink beer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you still into, like, you know, were you, like, when you were a kid, were you the kid taking all the stuff apart, trying to figure out how it worked, taking apart the remote control? Taking it apart, trying... but never getting it back together. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> and yeah. coffee cans full of parts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's always been a lifelong interest. Do you still tinker? Are you in the garage trying to build some sort of flamethrower or something? No, just work with wood. Uh, where it's safe. <laughs> wow. Is it? <laughs> safe. Wow, wood doesn't combust right behind your head. Well, no. Maybe. I think that's what he's trying to find out a way to make that happen. <laughs> it combusts. Yeah. <laughs> Wood will explode. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, the the peroxide, if it drips, you know, if you got a small leak and a, and a drip, yeah, uh, you've got a fire. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We've started grass fires and all, you know, at sure. places that... I got a scar on my ass. <laughs> <laughs> the throttle valve was leaking. Oh, uh, this was back in 93, 94, 95. And uh, I'm all strapped in and ready to fly. And all of a sudden, <laughs> my ass is on fire. <laughs> I knew. It. I told him, throw some water down my back. Throw some water down my back. Yeah. It made a thing as big as a quarter and a deep. Oh, you know, Jesus. Nasty. Yeah. That's worse than when your ass is on fire the next morning after a kegger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we just downed a lot of those wings. There's probably going to be some combustible gas later. <laughs> yeah. Combustible gas, Lee Majors. Oh, Lee Majors. On Lee? top of the roof doing the fall guy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, we were um, f filming a scene for the fall guy. Yeah. Yeah. Balin Bond was the episode. Okay. And um, so I had this Toreador-like outfit on, you know. <laughs> That's what Lee Majors was dressed in. Okay. And he had his stunt double. Yeah. And so we did, I, I did, you know, half a dozen flights up onto this roof and all. And uh, it's getting late in the day. And the, his stunt double, they don't need him anymore. So this is at uh, United Artists or uh, no. I don't know, one of the big movie lots. Okay. The wardrobe trailer is way on the other side of the lot. So the stuntman takes off and goes and changes into his own clothes and comes back. Yeah. And the uh, producer, director, he's, he wants another shot. And so even though it's wearing an empty belt, the stuntman has to wear it. Oh, yeah, okay. You know, union laws or whatever. Yeah. And but he doesn't have his suit, so I said, "Well, hell, 
you know, here, take mine. We're the same size. I, I you know, I'll just stand here in my underwear. Yeah. Yeah. So they made me put a elevator pad around me. <laughs> and so he's and my suit was much bigger on him. But the they have catering service for lunch. Sure. And that day they had barbecue with beans and all. Everybody loved the barbecue beans. Well, by 4.30 in the afternoon, we're all farting. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, somebody took a picture. There's Lee Majors and me and the stuntman. And Lee Majors is wrinkling his nose up like, you know, there's something stinks. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I got this big <laughs> shitting smile. <laughs> and the stuntman's reaching in the back of his pants. He thinks he shit himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> I won. I won. <laughs> wow. Barbecued beans. Look at you every time. <laughs> that's phenomenal. What a life, man. Yeah, what a life. And I'm sure that's not even... Scratching no, we, we the just, surface. Yeah, we just barely scratched the surface, I feel like. Yeah. So. Did you ever expect to. Well, talk, tell us about the other talks, the, the the bigger talk shows you've done, bigger than this one. <laughs> the bigger what? Talk shows. You've been on a couple talk shows, right? Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. They give you a camera on one. I got a secret, and what's my line? And these were before you were born. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but classic, this ar- you know army thing kind of sideways you into having a little bit of a showbiz career. Yeah, it seems having little fart parties with Lee Majors. That's pretty Hollywood. <laughs> that's pretty Hollywood. That's the was, movie Tarantino. It, it was yeah. a, it was a contest, <laughs> and you won. That's right. You yeah. beat Lee Majors. You, oh, you won hilarious. a farting contest with Lee Majors. Yeah, man, <laughs> that's awesome. You shook Vince Lombardi's hand. That's amazing to me. I'm a huge football fan, so that's amazing to me. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that's good stuff though, and uh, you know it's really good. I hope that everybody out there that was listening uh, learned. Something I hope you guys today. learned something about science. Yeah. I knew all that stuff. I just wanted him to explain it. So our audience is very dumb. Yeah, they don't know. No, they don't know any of that stuff. But me and, <laughs> and you, and me, I know what you're talking about with the combustion <laughs> and the stuff. I know what you mean. <laughs> None yeah. of that totally went over my head at all. And I just sat here going, yeah, totally, yeah, combustion, yeah. Like peroxide? I'm going to be at home like pouring peroxide out like, why am I not flying? Yeah. <laughs> He's going to put it over. You know, it, it, yeah, it's not working. Like Where's Lee Majors? <laughs> that guy was lying to us. It's funny the, the number of people that have tried to build them. Yeah. Um, I met a whole bunch of really interesting guys and some real jerks, too. Sure. Um, but in... Uh, Oh six, yeah, two thousand and six. They had a Rockabilly convention here in Niagara Falls. Okay. And um, I met this young Australian guy, David Clark, and he had built. He he lived way out in the outback. I mean, he, he had no access to anything, and he's my hero of heroes. He managed to build a flying Rockabilly. And I gotta say this, he's as good flying it as I would be. Yeah. Honest to God. And he did it all on his own. Wow. And he's the nicest I've never met a not nice Australian, but he's the nicest guy you ever want to meet. Sure. And so humble. He does uh you know, shows, mainly in Australia. Yeah. But uh there's like a whole jetpack culture it, out there. 
Yeah. Enthusiasts, guys. Oh, yeah. A lot of wannabes. (laughs) Wannabes, a lot of posers. But uh, what what got me, now, he was uh, a lifer in the Royal Australian Air Force. Okay. An electronics technician and all. And, uh, so he's got some credentials to yes. get involved. Oh in yeah, this. he yeah. wasn't just an average hobbyist. Yeah. yeah, you know he was. But he said, as a kid, getting back to what you were saying, he uh, saw one of us flying in Australia okay. in the '60s. Sure. And he started reading up on it. Oh, and it's done with steam. So he's trying to make a steam kettle drive a thing that he could fly. Yeah. Oh, wow. And it was like, the... I saw that video of the one guy just going face first into the creek. Yeah. <laughs> and I decided I, this was the life for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that's, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm sure that was inspiring for guys who were kids, you know, watching the Super Bowl, seeing a guy coming in a jetpack. Yeah. That would get them interested in the aeronautics of it. And, you know, I'm sure you inspired a lot of people. And you know, Absolutely. The, the thing is, what the hell year was the Olympics? 84. Did um, you fly over that too? Yeah. Yeah. That okay. was my biggest <laughs> my biggest audience. Of course. Two, <laughs> two and a half billion people. Wow. wow. Yeah. So that's what we're hoping to achieve on the show so, someday. Yeah. So you're going to send <laughs> this to all of them, right? So Daryl Johnson, you didn't shake Vince Lombardi's hand. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Wow. So you feel like during the opening ceremonies or something? Yeah. 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 Did you fly? And that was a surprise, you know, nobody knew it was coming. Oh, cool. And yeah. it was um what what the the Olympic opening ceremonies, you're to showcase your nation's, you know, history and uh yeah, yeah. Uh, with the society Whatever. and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, you have to represent so your culture. We gotta back up a couple of years. We were flying for Walt Disney in nineteen sixty five in Disneyland. Yeah. And Walt Disney was just thrilled by it. He wanted them all over. You hang out with Walt Disney? I drank bourbon with him. Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) (laughs) He had a a lounge in in downtown Disney. (laughs) At at the end of Main Street was a fire hall. Yeah. And upstairs was his personal lounge. And we used to go up there and, you know, talk Rockefeller. And, yeah, right. And, and, and All I, right, for I real, though, for real. You don't have to tell the people listening. I wasn't 21 yet. If he's yet. frozen, just give us a wink. <laughs> you know he's, he's frozen. Oh, all right, I'm I not going to say that. He, he but definitely any, did it not <laughs> wink. <laughs> anyway, uh, where the hell was I with this? We were in Disneyland. Drinking, um, drinking bourbon. Drinking with bourbon Disney. with Walt Disney. No, it was uh, well, oh, Tommy, the Olympics, the, the Olympics the, and Disney. Something. The shows that they put on, on you know, in the streets in yeah. Disneyland. The guy that choreographed it all and designed them and whatnot is Tommy Walker. Okay. And so we worked with Tommy Walker doing these things with Disney. So for the for Super Bowl, for the halftime show, they hired Tommy Walker to do the halftime show. Tommy Walker knows I need something to catch everybody's attention. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, when they come into the stadium, they're going to be talking. They're going to be paying attention. I need to get, get now. Yeah. yeah. You know, I want your attention. Yeah. Shortest act in show business. <laughs> it's over with. <laughs> yeah. But I got your attention. Right. Yeah. And uh, so come 84 with the Olympics, they got to showcase, showcase what America can do. Yeah. And we got to get everybody's attention. Uh-huh. And he said. See if we can get the rocket belt, and uh, so here and I am. Have it. <laughs> and here I am. And uh, 
it it, it worked well. Yeah. It did. It, yeah. it uh, got everybody's attention. That's all amazing. Yeah. I mean, you've had some serious people in your life. Drinking bourbon with <laughs> Walt Disney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Walt I didn't even like bourbon then. Yeah. <laughs> But you're hanging out with Walt Disney. When you like whatever he likes. When you're in Rome, you do as the Romans do. <laughs> That's right, exactly. <laughs> I got some. So I, I I got some questions for that man. For Walt Disney? Yeah. Well, I think you're a little late. Pluto's a oh. dog. Pluto's a dog. Wait, I got to Goofy's tell you. also a dog. Pluto's butt naked. Goofy's wearing like a three-piece suit. He's got a vest and a hat. So like he's a grown. Like, what's the difference there? I, I would like to know the logic <laughs> in this man. He was a hammered on bourbon when he's making those dogs. He don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Walt Disney sent us back with an envelope sealed to take to the higher-ups. Yeah. He wanted to uh, put $50,000 toward the research of a jet belt and maybe fund the whole thing. Yeah. And so we go back. You want to know why Bell isn't in business anymore? We're, we're like conquering heroes going upstairs with this thing. Sure. Give it to him. He reads it. I'm not going to use any names. No. Throws it on the desk. He says, gentlemen, we're an aerospace company. We're no Mickey Mouse outfit. <laughs> oh, wow. And that was the end of it. Wow. Huh? Well, that was probably the, the first time that phrase was used. And he actually was talking about Mickey Mouse. Those, yeah. th those people are all dead, but they have families. Sure, sure, sure. And I don't want their families to know what a real moron. So, no, yeah. someone listening Seriously. to this going, we could have Disney money. <laughs> yeah. Disney money. Disney money. That is yeah, money. Our money's going to have that mouse on it within the next 10 years. I swear <laughs> we're, to God. We're no Mickey Mouse outfit. Yeah. Oh. Wow. That's, that is that's something so else. Funny. Yep. That's I, crazy. I've made that decision before. I don't know what it's going to be, but I know later in life there's going to be something like something I was offered now that I was like, hey, no, I'm not doing that. That's dumb. Yeah. And then in 100 years, I'm going to be like, God damn it. In 100 yeah. years. <laughs> well, we're going to live a long time, dude. They're yeah. coming up with some. Have you not been listening? I the have. Army's coming up with crazy shit. We're going to be flying around, <laughs> living to the thousand. You uh, saw Avatar. You saw be, Avatar. We're going to be blue, dude. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know. That was one hell of a show. I can tell, tell you that. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, that's a hell of a life. It's a hell of a life. And I'm sure anything you're. I'm sure whatever you're doing tomorrow is going to be 10 times more interesting than what me and him are doing. Yeah, right. I, I beg your pardon. <laughs> yeah. be, so you're doing woodworking now? I'm making Christmas ornaments. <laughs> That's nice. That seems safer. It Do you have a safer. Christmas ornament of a guy in a jetpack? Did you ever approach Santa Claus with the whole jetpack thing? I feel like that really could have helped him out. <laughs> he's too fat. Oh, that, you're saving a lot on reindeer food. He's too. He's too fat. Yeah, he's too fat. He's too fat. Like, look. We need a bigger jetpack. Nick, Nick, you're going to have to shed yeah, a couple the, pounds. The bag full of toys. You could have no. sent one of the elves up. They weigh nothing. Oh. You could have had yeah. a bunch of elves Wait. with jetpacks all hitting the different regions. I'm going to make a call. Yeah. I'm going to make a call. See, We're now let, let's out. go back to that a minute. Okay. 60% throttle. Mm -hmm. Minimum thrust. 240, 250 pounds of thrust. Yeah. At the Olympic flight, I had to be up in the peristyle, back behind the columns out of sight, all pressurized and ready to fly an hour and a half before showtime. Couldn't have anything up there, and, and he wanted to... You go on cue when I tell you. Yeah, the right. whole well, thing is set up. it's not or... good to sit around, what you used to call it, arming the bomb. Yeah. Yeah. And But they insisted on it, and then they had this welcome thing, the... the 
young lady with safety pins pinning it on me so the straps are under it and all. And the sun is beating down on it. And it's starting to build up pressure, and the pressure gauge is going up and up and up and up and up. Now, Nelson Tyler, he's the guy that built it. Uh, He's looking at that, and I'm looking at it, and put a wet rag on the regulator. That'll help. So the needle's pegged over it. 600 pounds is the highest it would show on the the gauge. It's pegged. I said, Nelson, the gauge is broke. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) And we were both, you know, getting to it. You either got to call it, you know, we aren't going to do it. And I said, as soon as I open the throttle, it'll drop. But the the problem was it had built up so much pressure, I had never had a takeoff like that. It blew my socks off. Yeah. It was just going. It was, right. it was just, and thank God, because I was a chubby little fellow then. <laughs> and, but the thing was, when I come into land, now you don't want to screw up no. with no, two and a half billion. Not. And Ronald Reagan's right up there in the window. Wow. And it, it was the worst landing I ever made in my professional life. It was, <laughs> But it, you don't know where off is. And the minimum thrust was almost more than what I weighed. And I'm losing weight every second, and yeah. it, trying to get the thing on the ground without shutting it off. Yeah, it was, uh, it wasn't fun. It, you know, <laughs> it, it, it the whole thing would have been fun other than that. Yeah, but it was, you know, because it, it got overpressurized. Sure. Yeah, but that's amazing. Yeah. That's quite the story. You almost plummeted from the sky in front of Reagan. <laughs> and Nancy, oh, and then, Nancy was probably there too. They yeah, had these probably. big gold mylar balloons, hundreds of them, the girls on the field. Yeah. And after I landed, they let go of the balloons. You know, they all drifted off. Well, down in Van Nuys or somewhere, they ended up in the power lines and blacked out part of the city. Dude, <laughs> oh, no kidding. I wondering where stuff like that goes. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, whenever have people it. have a party where they light the candles <laughs> of, like, the Japanese yeah, lantern yeah. that floats away, where does that end up? It yeah. just goes. You it's saw just... the news in Oregon where the mm. mountain was on fire. Oh, because a bunch of people yeah. did one of those? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's where it ends up, burning down Oregon. Yeah, there you go. That's, uh, well, that's, I mean... That's pretty. That's pretty outrageous. Yeah, you know that's and and you never never expected anything like that to happen when you signed up to for the service or at the at Bell yeah. Aerospace or whatever. Yeah, you didn't expect to. Uh, you You're doing flying, flying shows for Reagan and, and going shot for shot with yeah. Walt Disney. Right. Oh. <laughs> the road you know, takes. It's funny. You know, we always say the road takes you crazy places. If you get a jetpack, apparently you go to even crazier places. Right. There is no I road. Was, I was 20 when I first went to Disney, so I wasn't that far out of the Mouseketeer generation. Right, right. And I remember coming home from school and watching the Mickey Mouse Club and all. Sure. And only a couple of years later, here I am sitting talking with this guy. Yeah, that's wow. you know, that's amazing. It was. That's cool. That's yeah. really, really. It didn't good. sink in at that time. Cool. Sure. You know, it isn't until you get older that. Man, we're definitely the low spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we're making the documentary. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably going to talk about the whole other stuff. Oh, that's the other one I wanted to tell you. There's two films you, you, people might find very interesting. Okay. Uh, both of them by Greg Reed from Australia, Paperbark Films. The first one is Rocket Compulsion. Okay. And it's a story of. David Mayman, another wild Australian boy. Yeah, it's, I, the, you were talking about him before, right? 
I David Clark I was talking about. There's two Australian rocket yeah, men. Yeah, I think you said something about David Maiman earlier. Oh, uh, his jet engines. All right, right, okay. okay. Well, rocket compulsion is his first getting into it uh-huh. and then being obsessed, you know, and going the next step. So the next one is own the sky. Yeah. And that's where he uh, flies his his jetpack around the Statue of Liberty. Oh, okay. And uh, if you want to see something really cool, it's just uh, Google or Yahoo or whatever you do. It's a jetpack jet flight to Super Tramp music. Okay. All right. <laughs> and it's it's unbelievable, you know, and he's got all these little GoPros getting all this yeah. stuff and drones that are flying formation with him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the advancements that have come. It's not like it just stopped. But, like, the advancements yep. now are and crazy. He only flies it over water because he can't trust the engines. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and, there, you know, uh, uh, things like that, there's in aviation, it's called the dead zone. And it's where a parachute is useless. Yeah. And uh, so he, he's always flying in the dead zone, so he stays over water. Yeah. <laughs> It's at a a water ski park in California. Okay. That's closed for the season. All right. And he's flying over water. It's a chase boat, and uh, but uh, own the sky. Own the and sky. In fact, right. it's a ninety-minute documentary. It won some awards at one of the film festivals. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I mean, I think all this well, stuff. Look it all up. I bet you can look up the Olympic opening ceremonies and find them. And yeah, everybody. And the yeah, Super Bowl. And, 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 and the nicest thing there, Peter Jennings or whoever it was, the MC. Yeah. Said, from Youngstown, New York. All right. Yeah. We're going to find that's that right. clip and play it on the next one. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's pretty incredible. We'll Youngstown, have to have you back to keep. To keep uh, yeah, we might. Uh, I'm yeah, sure we, you we're going to have to have you back again, Bill, because I think that I think we've only tapped the knowledge here. I think that uh, you know maybe we'll do another show in a month or two if if you're willing to come if back. If you still got some context at, at Disney, I got some ideas about Lion King and what they should where they should go. With <laughs> so <laughs> I think Mufasa should have a better part. But uh, they should do a prequel. Yeah, we should. Um, but do yeah, a, thank you a, so much, man. That's so fascinating. Yeah, it really is. Thanks a lot for doing this. And you never know, kids. It. You never know where yeah. you're gonna end up. No. People are probably like, is that that guy from science class flying over the Super Bowl? Yeah. You know? <laughs> it is. Right? <laughs> so, uh, so you took all those opportunities. You just you, you went with it. Any offer, you know, any wacky. Pete working for a living. Yeah, for sure. Right. The guy says, hey, <laughs> try to fly over that roof. And you go, all right. All right. But you, you have to tell him. You didn't tell him how you got involved with Rockefeller when Wendell came and knocked on the door and said. How it all started? Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> Did Uncle Mickey get the... Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, but that's a, a sore subject. Oh. Wow. <laughs> with, uh, well, we, we can do that on the next he, one. He, he, <laughs> Wendell, when he broke his leg... Yeah. Yeah. I have an older brother. Yeah. He came to our house on crutches and asked my father if uh, he could hire my brother. Oh. My brother said, get the hell out of here. You almost killed yourself. You want to kill my son? Oh, all right. <laughs> And then That's a couple so years, a couple years later, crutches. Vietnam is starting to heat up. Yep. And I quit. I was going to school, and I quit. I was going to join the army, and I ran into Wendell in the store here, and he, he I've been pestering him since I was a kid. Right. And uh, he, I said, you know, I'm going to join the army. No, 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 no. I, I, I Peter Kaczynski, 
the young kid, the, the second guy to fly it. Yep. He had quit and joined the Navy, and so there was an opening, and they had to have it. So that's how I got in there. Wow. wow. My father would rather I was doing that than go in the Army. Yeah. Yeah, something nice and safe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks again, Val. Appreciate it. And uh, quote uh, Forrest Gump, some, I got to pay... <laughs> All right. Oh, you got to pee? Yeah. I, I was going to quote when he said something bit me when he yeah. got burned on the ass after Forrest Gump got shot in the ass. He's a bit of a Forrest Gump himself. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that. Uh, Captain's Jug of Thoughts. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Is the, is the next one going to be the spooky one? Yeah, the next one is the, four of, the fourth floor. The more I was explaining that to a friend of mine today, and yeah. as I was explaining it to him, I was like, I don't know if I'm too crazy about this anymore. Yeah, we might, be, we might be walking into uh, another realm next week. Yeah. We're not really sure. We might need We're going to gonna see it. what happens. But yeah. uh, the, ju- the jug is going to be... Uh, they got to like you. Uh, You've been there forever. Well, I'm pretty sure they like me. I'm worried about all you guys. I've been play- <laughs> all right, maybe they're just like, hey, man. I'm just going to be like, hey, it's me. And they're going to be like... The ghosts are not a fan of Down by the River, and you guys play that at every show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, we're Down by the River. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it works. Um, all right. Well, yeah, man. Thanks, yeah, Captain. So stay Sugar. tuned. Yep. We're, there's plenty of good stuff coming up. There sure is. Okay, bye. <laughs> this is the Captain's Jug of Thoughts podcast.